Hey guys, how are we doing? It's Juwadi here with Hit the Apex Podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week. As always, pleasure to be here and more racing. And I say that without my tongue in cheek either. It might have sounded a bit sarcastic, but no, not at all. Given that we had so much time um, over the last few months without any racing, without any live sport, as a matter of fact, to, to watch and digest and analyze and do what we do, rant about it, rave on all that sort of stuff. This is so good, you know, that it's happening thick and fast. We are already in five races into the championship, I was going to say six, but that's this weekend, the sixth race for the F1 um, Spanish Grand Prix, which I'll talk about and preview a bit later, but first, the 70th anniversary Grand Prix that we had last weekend, and first race in F1 that um, didn't use a geographical name for for the title of the Grand Prix, so obviously... Celebrating 70 years of F1 this year, born in 1950, as you'd see all the promotional material, the merchandise and everything that um, is around, and I guess wasn't the most humdinger of a race, it was interesting certainly, and we had the Mercedes streak finally broken, Max Verstappen winning the race, blistering weather, blistering tyres being the story of it, so, you know, still, despite that, it wasn't probably the humdinger that we expected like we saw at the Austrian Grand Prix um, back six weeks or more than six weeks ago, sorry, about seven weeks ago. So getting straight into it, basically, yeah, the bringing a step softer tyres this weekend or last weekend, I should say, did bring into equation multiple pit stops as we predicted. Um, Basically, Everyone avoided the soft tyre in the race. I think there was only one driver that did put on soft tyres towards the end of the race. I can't remember for the life of me who it was. Um, not that it had any impact on how the uh, race panned out anyway. But um, yeah, everyone qualified, um, or the top 10 more importantly qualified, so that they would be using the medium tyre. It was only Max Verstappen that took the gamble and put on the hard tyre. And I guess that's what paid off for him in the end. Um, being able to run longer on that first in on the hard tyre, but also just taking advantage of Mercedes struggling again on those um, tyres in these particular conditions. You know, they've come out and said that, yeah, you know, with high tyre pressures and higher temperatures, track temperatures, it's just very difficult. And given that Silverstone is probably one of the most demanding circuits when it comes to the load that you put on the tyres, you look at the fast corners on that track, you look also with these modern cars how many of those corners you can take flat out now it's absolutely ridiculous and fascinating at the same time so you know all those things put together it just this is what gets thrown up as a result and also think about how this is probably not a traditional it's not the traditional time for f1 to be racing where it is at the moment in the in these parts of Europe. So UK obviously going through a bit of a heat wave, although, you know, you know, coming from Australia, <laughs> even though Melbourne's got its own quirky weather, we still know what a proper heat wave is. So yeah, I don't I don't know if um many people can survive multiple days over 30 degrees over there, let alone, you know, when it gets to 35, 40 uh, ambient temperature. But where we're heading this weekend to Barcelona is probably, you know, they they probably get the proper heat. So, yeah, around this time, it's obviously the summer break there in Europe. Traditionally, when you look at a normal F1 calendar, and then we only go to uh, Belgium and Italy 
afterwards in Europe and you know temperatures there are generally pretty pretty fine you don't get the scorching conditions that we had and yeah if you remember a few weeks ago MotoGP when they did their second race at Jerez how hot it was so you know expect a bit of that for Barcelona but back to Silverstone so yeah it only took till about lap 14 15 for Mercedes to want to discard those medium compound tyres um, and also given that the tyres were a step softer this time uh, that medium tyre was actually the soft tyre from the previous week so from the British Grand Prix so that kind of makes sense when um, you look at the stint lengths and tyre lifes and everything so it was a good start from Valtteri Bottas he was able to hold off his teammate Lewis Hamilton kind of shades of what we saw last year at the British Grand Prix they were they were wheel to wheel and Bottas showed no quarter Bottas and pole position of course but needing the win you got to say last weekend to be able to keep himself in touch with Lewis in the championship still don't know how many races we're going to end up with 15 if it is 15 16 um for the year it's still going to be far less than we normally were going to have so you know when you think about that it's less points for them to accumulate less points to to play with as far as the championship is concerned so whoever's got the upper hand at the moment is going to be you know it can keep that upper hand for for as long as the season goes on and um results are going to be key so yeah Bottas early had you know had the high ground early but you know once Max Verstappen put his uh head into it he stayed out obviously on the hard tire then was able to actually put a gap between himself and Mercedes because Mercedes ended up struggling on those hard tires when they switched after the first pit stop then Max had enough of a gap when he made his first pit stop to switch to the medium tire without actually losing the losing the lead of the race and by then lap 33 I believe Bottas uh had a bit of a strategic drama you could say I won't say error because you know Mercedes believed that you know they were in the right to pit Bottas for a second time on that lap um coming in to kind of cover off Max Verstappen or to stay in touch with him, whereas Lewis Hamilton ended up continuing for another 10 laps on the, the hard compound tyre that he was on. So, you know, it didn't stop um, Hamilton from coming on the radio every 30 seconds and saying, Bono, my tyres are dead. That does not sound like Hamilton at all, but you get the gist of it. <laughs> um, didn't stop him from coming on and complaining, of course. And then Bottas was kind of left furious at this because he was like, well, you know, you've come and made me do this. And now Lewis is in the lead and he's he's like that. So um, not that it mattered much anyway as far as getting Mercedes the win was concerned, but it did help Hamilton beat his teammate so ended up um, on the better tyres at later in the race and was able to pass Bottas for second while uh, Max went on to win the race and another really good drive from Max you got to say um, his radio comments were pretty funny of course we heard last week him or the week before sorry for the British Grand Prix telling his engineer to remember to, to hydrate this time he's like remember to sanitise and then also making fun of grandmas I think as well I believe um you know his team saying you know make sure you look after the tires but he's like you know this is the only chance I have to to race with the Mercedes to beat the Mercedes so you know I'm not going to sit here and drive like a grandma not that you know some grandmas probably don't don't drive that slow or whatever so 
good on Max for taking the initiative and uh, going on to take the win, ultimately. And Ross Braun coming out and saying after the race, he does this column for the F1 website um, after every race and saying that, you know, that kind of initiative that Max took reminds him a lot of Michael Schumacher for, from when he was working with Schumacher back in the day. So, you know, good, good on that. While, you know, Hamilton, of course closing in on Schumacher's records and everything as well. So, you know, um, still we always think of the great man Michael, given um, it's been many years now since we've had since he had that um, unfortunate accident. So, yeah, Michael's still within our thoughts and um, hopefully we'll get some good news soon. We can, we can only hope. So, yeah, there's your top three. Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas. And you've got to say, does this bring... Um, Verstappen into championship contention you know that 30 point gap still remains between Hamilton and P2 in the championship but now Verstappen has got himself into second so for someone who had a DNF against their name uh, on the in the first race and we were like oh given that Red Bull have struggled their car seems so volatile it's so interesting to see after a few races and you know he's been on the podium consistently and now he's got a win under his belt that Verstappen is being talked about as a as a potential title contender, and that's also come from Toto Wolff as well, um, Mercedes team principal. So, very good to see. I'm sure a lot of people will be happy about that. And gotta say, if these tyre struggles continue, which you know we're going to be in Barcelona and then very soon uh, still in Europe as well for quite a few more races, then why not? You know, why not put? Verstappen in contention if Mercedes can't fix these issues or if it's an inherent problem then yeah you know it's going to be a lot tougher than we expected initially so yeah lots to lots to think about but you know we'll talk more about that when we do our little Barcelona preview in a bit beyond the top three then um, Ferrari Charles Leclerc in a league of their own you got to say and <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it every week, their, their plight and how it's just pathetic to, to see how they're racing at the moment, but got to say, Leclerc's performance though, driver of the day worthy, I think, um, if you haven't already given that little award to Max for the race, I'd say Leclerc deserves it, qualified in eighth, ended up um, running a one-stop strategy, so that's the reason I'd give it to him, one-stop strategy, given all the conditions and everyone else complaining about their tyres and finished fourth in the end so good result for Leclerc and you know just doing so well while you know Seb is just yeah it's just getting worse for Seb you know he finished outside the points again down in 12th had a spin on the first lap too on his own and then there was some complaints from him in the middle of the race about how, you know, he was blaming the team for stuffing up his strategy. Um, but basically, you got to say that the spin f- that he had at the fir- on the first lap was what stuffed his race up in the first place because he dropped to the back of the field. So, you know, then it was up to him to recover his own race with, but, you know, not having a good car under his belt and just making mistakes constantly. Again, it's not just Ferrari who's been making the mistakes, it's him as well. And I guess at the moment, Ferrari probably not doing everything they can to... um not doing everything they can to to support Seb or as that's what it looks like from the outside 
But, you know, the results themselves and Seb's own effort doesn't seem to, to be there either, which is really sad to see. You know, you want to see a four-time world champion do really well and then all the people now talking about whether, you know, is he the right person for Aston Martin Racing Point next year, uh, given that he seems very lacklustre this year. Is he the right person to get into that car next year and to, to represent that brand to win those races potentially in the future championships as well if they come by in 2022 so you know I don't think someone like Seb just forgets to drive a car overnight so there's there's bigger issues at foot and again I'll address that when we get to the Spanish Grand Prix preview so 12th and 4th I guess you know for Ferrari good for them because Leclerc is you know accumulating the points at the moment in the Constructors Championship and they did get a bit of a boost I guess and this all comes back down to the um the penalty that Racing Point got which I'll talk about in a sec. The some sanctions laid down for for their um, brake duct investigation. So yeah, Ferrari actually up to fourth in the constructors now, which is good to see. Leapfrogging, leapfrogging ahead of McLaren, who had a bit of a tough race. You got to say, Lando Norris in ninth with some points, and um, Carlos Sainz finishing outside. You know, having uh, battled with Daniel Ricciardo throughout, and Daniel Ricciardo, another one who. Qualified really well in fifth. We talked about him being potentially a podium outsider for the race. Ended up just having a disappointing race. Spun the car while battling Carlos Sainz as well. And um, as a result, finished outside the points down in 14th. Um, And just both teams struggling with tyres in these conditions. So you'd hope that uh, they have a better weekend this time out. McLaren in particular, no bias there at all. (laughs) And And if you follow me on Insta... Instagram, you you would have seen. I've got some new McLaren kit uh, to to wear proudly, including the um, the mask that they do uh, at the track as well. So obviously, masks are mandatory here in Melbourne at the moment. So you know, I'm trying to get my hands on as many as many cool designs as I can. So nice to get a couple of F1 ones as well, and uh, the Kimi Raikkonen range or the Kimi Raikkonen collection from West Coast Choppers got some stuff from there as well so yeah repping repping the Iceman as I used to back in the day when he was with Lotus got all the merch still as I was saying to someone um the other day so yeah you know hopefully they have a better race this time out in Spain but um Renault, you know they were really good the race the weekend before but um struggled this time Ben good I guess to see Ocon finish in eighth and he was the only other driver to to one stop as well qualified 14th ended up one stopping to eighth so going going well is uh, Esteban so yeah good to see that but um going back to racing point then and um this is where I'll try not to get too much on a tangent because I did write about this to try and explain it or how I interpreted what the um what the fallout from the investigation was so I did write the article about it you can read it on the raw um I might throw the link in the description if I remember by the end of the podcast so a 14 point uh, not point 14 page document was released by the FIA ahead of the 70th anniversary Grand Prix detailing the findings of the investigation into Racing Point's brake ducts so in summary basically they concluded that the front brake ducts were completely legal that um, Racing Point were running while the rear brake ducts in accordance with the new sporting regulations that came into effect on the eve of the Austrian Grand Prix not too long ago um, in accordance with those sporting regulations, 
in regards to listed listed parts and how so listed parts basically are parts that team have got to make themselves um and rear brake ducts were put into that category so on that basis that's where you know they were given a 400,000 euro fine um and fine uh, docked 15 points in the constructors championship so you would have thought that yeah protest successful by Renault and then there was McLaren Ferrari and Williams as well involved in that but no they're seeking further reparations for this saying that you know it wasn't good enough you know they basically you know done done something illegal they should be penalized but given the unique scenario this is so basically Mercedes obviously everyone knows and if you don't know I'm going to tell you right now Mercedes do supply Racing Point and they have done for for many years with with a power unit and some other bits and pieces like gearbox or whatever and last year when you know Mercedes were developing their W10 chassis they did give the CAD drawings so the computer aided design drawings of their brake ducts to to Racing Point which you know you know, it's not like they acquired them illegally or anything. It was just like, yeah, here you go. This is what we did. Um, and then what Racing Point did was they were able to use that on their front brake duct design for last year's car, the RP19. So the reason why there was no penalty or um, no sanctions for the front brake ducts, even though they're the same as last year's Mercedes on this year's Racing Point, is because those parts were effectively carried over by Racing Point, so like a legacy part from last year's car. So it's not that they newly introduced it to this year's car, which is what those um, new sporting regs about uh, listed parts outlaw. So very complicated, I know, and if anyone can figure it out, you know, I've kind of got to terms with it but anyone else who can figure it out and by listening to me talk about it here then you know big thumbs up to you guys you know you get two thumbs up on the on this occasion and two thumbs up and maybe a beer if you if you want um so basically yeah it was the because the rear brakes are listed parts now that was outlawed so on that basis the penalty was given why racing point were able to do rear brake ducts similar to Mercedes or the same as last year's Mercedes this year? Well, because last year their rear end was following a different aero philosophy. They had um, different rake angles, something like that. Whereas this year, given that they've you know done reverse, you know they've reversed engineer reverse engineered the um, W10 chassis, the pink Mercedes. That's why it's that's what it's called this year or that's why it's called that this year um and you know basically they've done it through photography and everything and they've not actually had any information from mercedes about you know or designs other than the brake ducts because the architecture of that car is more similar to last year's mercedes they've been able to put on the um the rear brake ducts as well so that's where you know renault and everyone were able to win or succeed in that protest to find out that yeah they're running that illegally so there's still plenty of gray areas in this and this is where you know they're the other teams are still very angry because they're like well that's not really that's not hardly a punishment because that 15 points they'll just make it up because their car is still going to be as good as it is at the moment whereas the FIA have pretty much said well we can't really tell them to change the brake ducts given that we've got a a regulation or sorry development freeze on at the moment and even if they did they wouldn't be able to 
do brake ducts, new brake ducts for that car anytime soon. You'd have to redesign other components and bits and pieces too. So they're basically stuck in a unique situation where you've got to basically see out not only this year, but next year as well with the same chassis, same brake ducts or whatever. And basically we're just going to get the same complaints week in, week out. I guess what kind of works in, you know, the likes of Renault, McLaren, their favour is that Racing Point have said so far this season they've not been very consistent with their race results. Like again this weekend, uh, Lance Stroll ended up sixth, Nico Hulkenberg in seventh, even though Hulkenberg qualified third, and we were all excited. Oh, Hulkenberg's going to get a podium even though he's not racing full time this season. Um, so disappointing race again for them, and bit of a, a weird theory out there that you know they had to, they three stopped Hulk because they wanted him to finish behind Stroll. Like what? Seriously. Um, there was tyre troubles with that car and, you know, they basically brought him in for a third time. So still got some solid points, but, you know, not as much as they would require um, or that would set off alarm bells, I guess. So, yeah, it didn't help either that Renault and McLaren didn't finish um, highly up in the po- high up in the points either. So I guess I've said all along, you know, I think McLaren can still finish higher in the Constructors' Championship than Racing Point on that basis, but... It's not going to stop them from complaining about uh, how they're doing. So, yeah, disappointing, I guess. The biggest disappointment out of all of this, and it's not Nico Hulkenberg not finishing on the podium, it's that Formula One's a sport that, or like any sport where teams, athletes, will go as far as they can in the known boundaries to get the advantage. Now, everything that Racing Point have done up until, you know, these new regulations came in on the eve of the Austrian Grand Prix well after the car was homologated back in March after testing and you know they've even said that we did this all in conjunction with the FIA and asked the question and everything and they ruled everything to be legal basically you got to credit Racing Point for taking this approach you know they find themselves in a unique situation where, you know, for the next year, like for next year as well, they're going to be able to use the same car. Whereas this year they would have initially thought, okay, let's try this new concept, see how it goes, because the year after we've got a whole new car coming for for the new regulations, which now will be 2022. So not a bad idea to, you know, do that, not require as much development as they would if they had a, you know, followed the old aero concept or tried something different which isn't what they've got at the moment so you've got to credit them for trying that and you know it's it just sounds at the end of the day like sour grapes from everyone else you know yeah they can say oh you're not a proper constructor if you do that but Haas I mean people say that about Haas the fact that they don't develop their own chassis in-house you know it's built by Delara a lot of the other bits you know performance related like power unit gearbox and all that come from ferrari alfa romeo use bits from ferrari then you've got alfa tauri you know toro rosso who who i think this year their front end is basically last year's red bull car so it's just because racing point are in a more competitive position that these teams are up in the air about that sort of thing so at the end of the day yeah you know they've not done anything illegal You've got to take your hat off for them for trying something left field. But if you want to keep everyone happy, I think it would be best to just close this loophole. You know, not 
have this grey area where people are going to be upset by it and just move on. Just move on, I say, and hopefully 2022 when they say that, you know, we're going to be closing off as many loopholes as we can so teams don't exploit them, but also, you know, the idea of copying other cars, reverse engineering, if they're going to do something in regards to that, that'll shut them up and then we can get back to back to the racing. But again, it's Formula One. There's never just only racing. There's always politics involved as well. So, yeah, I hope that I I hope I explained that um, well enough to you guys. But uh, you know, if you prefer to read it in text form, then um, be sure to read that article that I wrote as well. Anyway, and let's let's finish off the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Alpha Tauri, they were in the points again. Consistent, and this time it was Danny Fiat finishing in 10th, having a better race than he did last time out. So that was good to see for young Fiat. Um, only retirement that we had was uh, Kevin Magnussen, who came into contact with Alex Albon at the start of the race. Alex ended up with a penalty, five seconds in the pits, had a bit of a dreadful first part of the race but then came back with some sensational moves later on to finish fifth so good result for him and again the whole Albon thing next to next to Verstappen you know that result for Albon in fifth would be normally you know would be saying yay you know good for him it'd be in the headlines whatever but when your teammates winning races fifth is kind of like well you know you need to be up there as well but as we know that there's bigger issues for that there's a bigger issue with that and maybe I can elaborate on it a bit not later but you know maybe another time about how if they if teams want to go for for constructors championship they're going to have to try and get the second driver involved with you know setup and everything and also just development too and we know that Red Bull is a is Verstappen's team he's built him around him he has built the team around him but, yeah, you're going to need to get that second driver help as well, otherwise they're not going to finish very well. And classic case and example, um, Repsol Honda and MotoGP, last year, basically 90% of the points were scored by Marc Marquez, but Marc Marquez is a freak. <laughs> so you didn't really have to worry about the second bike, but also in, in Supercars too, the Supercars Championship, Fabian Coulthard at DGR Team Penske at the moment has been struggling, or has been struggling the last couple of years because he can't really adapt to Scott McLaughlin's setup, and the team is basically moulded now around McLaughlin and the car development as well as moulded around how he drives so yeah he drives really well in it while the other driver struggles so that kind of thing it's like yeah you don't want really a one-man one-man show when it comes to fighting for the team's championship you know you need to find that balance to keep the second driver or second rider happy as well um Otherwise, you know, you've got one guy finishing down in 15th, as it was with Jorge Lorenzo last year at Honda, while, you know, Marc Marquez is winning every single Grand Prix and smashing everyone for the championship by, like, 180 points or something like that. So, and no, that's not exactly accurate. I do exaggerate a little bit when it comes to that sort of stuff, but, you know, it's all very, it's all very humorous. Or that's what I find anyway. (laughs) So the headline for Barcelona will be hot, 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 I think, you know, and I'm not going to sing any songs or, you know, do any kind of 
dancing, not that you can see anyway, but um, yeah, basically we're in a not so typical time for F1 in, in Europe, it is supposed to be the summer break at the moment over there, mid-season break, um, so expect more tyre troubles, which won't be a bad thing I guess if you want to see an exciting race, and also Barcelona, the track is not really one that's dished out many exciting races over the last few years, it's been very... Um, a lops- it's been a lopsided affair most of the time and overtaking is very difficult as well and that doesn't help you know the only time we had a good race there in recent times was the only time Mercedes hasn't won in the hybrid era back in 2016 when um, Hamilton and Rosberg took each other out and uh, Max Verstappen went on to win his first Grand Prix in his first race for Red Bull too you know how's the, the stars couldn't have aligned any better for that race um, but hopefully if Mercedes do strike trouble again, then Verstappen very much in the hunt for the win um, and, you know, solidify his position as well in the championship as a contender if he can go back-to-back. So, tyre-wise, we've got the hardest available compounds this weekend, so the C1, 2, and 3 tyres. So, given that, you know, the high-speed corners at this track as well and the G-forces that you can take in, um, it's probably the best compounds that Pirelli could bring with them. I would still, on the side of, you know, what happened last weekend, possibly to stop the race um, if it's going to be as hot as they say it is. You know, don't try and push the one-stop if you you don't have to. Um, You know, Leclerc's position was kind of unique because he was running his own race um, at Silverstone last weekend, so... I guess didn't have much load on the tyres as much as, you know, the guys up the front who were fighting with each other had, so, you know, two-stop race would be good again, Uh, and, yeah, I don't want to say it this early that I reckon Verstappen will win, but, you know, I'll kind of place one toe in the toe in the water for, for Verstappen to win this weekend, if the tyre issues persist with Mercedes, otherwise, could be um, could be another Mercedes 1-2 finish, and if that's the case, then Hamilton, he's won there three years in a row, Bottas was on their pole last year, so, you know, based on those stats, you would, you have, you'd have to say Hamilton, closing in on Schumacher's record of 91, that's for sure. Ooh, itchy nose. <laughs> Spring isn't quite here yet, though I do feel there's a bit of pollen coming out, that's not good. We're only halfway through August, not even halfway through August, and I already feel hay fever coming along great, and trying to convince people that <laughs> it's not COVID, you know, any every time someone sneezes or, or coughs, you know, and a lot of people I know who who are smokers in particular, they have smokers cough, and they're like, well, it's not COVID, it's not COVID, calm down, calm down, and um, me with my allergies with, uh, with dust and dust and pollen, it's like, yeah, it's not COVID, calm down, people. Anyway, back on track now, um, what I was saying about Seb before, about, you know, there being potentially a fundamental issue with the car, well, Ferrari are going to give him a new chassis for this weekend after they themselves admitted that the car that Vettel was using was flawed, so, you know, they found a flaw in it, so hopefully that kind of revises or, you know, refreshes his fortunes and his ability this weekend, but you've got to say, that relationship is dying a very slow and painful death, you know, if it already isn't dead at the moment, it's just, you know, you could hear Sam on the radio um, at Silverstone, he was like, you know, very, just, it didn't seem like there was any kind of unity there, it was very, you know, it's all your fault this is happening, and then Ferrari's like, it's your fault it's happening, so, you know, I'm not surprised that people are talking about potentially the 
partnership being ended early. Um, I don't think that's going to happen anyway. They have to see out the season together, and then you know after that, it's it's whole new whole new situation there. But it is just yeah, it's very, it's very very. What's the word I'm looking for? Very acrimonious and just very cringeworthy. So yeah. Going back to Racing Point though, you know, they've, they've just been in the headlines so much, you know, and last year they were, they flew relatively under the radar, you got to say. The year before it was all about, you know, what was going on with VJ Malia and then the team selling Lawrence Stroll coming on board and everything. And last year, under the radar, got went about their business. And then this year, suddenly they're back in the headlines again and not even winning races. Um, this time it's obviously Sergio Perez. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he tested positive for, for COVID-19, first F1 driver to do so. Um, and then last week, only seven days after his initial positive test, they test him again to see if he can race at Silverstone for the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. What the hell is going on with that? And I did, I was pretty shocked. And when I said it last week on the show, I was like, what are they doing? Should be 14 days mandatory if anyone tests positive um, in isolation. Not, you know, okay, after seven days we'll retest you and then you can get back into the car. No, doesn't work like that, I'm afraid. Um, And particularly, you know, coming into the paddock, spreading it and um, making things worse. No. So now that, you know, the 14 days have passed, there was just confirmation like literally half an hour or 45 minutes ago that, you know, his latest test returned negative and he will be back in the car this weekend. So that's good for Racing Point as far as, you know, Checo returning. But, you know, people are sad to see Nico Hulkenberg go. Did a good job the two races he did fill in for, for Perez and basically put himself back on the radar for, for next year to, to get back into a seat. So we know Fernando Alonso's making a comeback next year. Now we've got Nico Hulkenberg potentially going to make a comeback and um, he did come out and say that there's been talks with Alfa Romeo for a full-time return. So Alfa Romeo Sauber team that he's been with before 2013 that move didn't really pay off for him but you know this time hoping to to have a better comeback with those guys he's he's you know knows Fred Vasseur very well who's the team principal there from their junior formula days so would be good to see Hulkenberg back in the car um and you know Alfa Romeo Sauber What's their situation with the drivers? Well, Kimi Raikkonen, a lot of people reckon he's going to retire at the end of this year, or this is the year that his contract runs out with the team. Um, does he want to continue on where he is at the moment, running last? Who knows? And um, Antonio Giovinazzi as well, who uh, a lot of people kind of feel that he's not really cut for, for F1 at the moment. He's been doing an okay job. I'm not going to say he's been doing the best, but he's, he's been doing all right. He scored the points this year for the team so far two points so you know some have even suggested he's just going to be placeholder until Mick Schumacher is ready for F1 which given what happened on the weekend um, crashing into his teammate (laughs) when they were fighting for the win as well um, during the sprint race I don't think you know young Mick's quite ready yet and that's a that's a conversation for another time I think there's a lot of pressure on Mick you know purely because of the name you know he's going to need if not, you know, one year or one solid year of F2 under his belt, um, which we haven't seen so far this year, he's going to need two seasons. So ideally, he'd 
we'll we'll want to be ready for 2022 for the new regulations as well and for that i reckon he's got to win the the f2 championship next year to be able to convince everyone that he's ready so if giovanazzi is kept until then um then i guess that's that's how that'll play out you know then he'll probably be dropped for for 2022 but if Kimi Raikkonen were to not vacate his seat and stay on for another year or two then maybe Haas could be a destination for Nico Hülkenberg potentially even get Sergio Perez over to Haas you know I've been thinking about it a little bit um I reckon Roman Grosjean is done he just the way he's been talking as well this year especially after the lockdown um and being at home he feels like you know f1 probably his his time is past so you know he doesn't seem as enthusiastic as kevin magnuson at the moment about where haas is headed and you know magnuson you can see is putting in a lot more than his teammates so i reckon maybe a seat will free up at haas next year and if checo is the one to get the drop at racing point for, for sebastian vettel then I'd want, um, if I were Gene Haas, I'd be on the phone to, to Sergio Perez trying to get the feelers out there. You know, Perez obviously brings a lot of money as well with his sponsorship um, arrangements from America. Oh, sorry, from Mexico. So for an American team like Haas, you know, who need a bit of cash at the moment, particularly after how the last uh, title sponsorship deal went down, uh, Rich Energy, <laughs> nudge, nudge. Um, that still cracks me up, <laughs> how that all unfolded. And I have my little can of Rich Energy up on my um, on my bar you know, and I just look at it with pride, like, yep, i got a piece of history right there, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, if I were, if I were Haas and, you know, Grosjean was out, then I'd be going after Perez for sure, and he's a good driver to, to get the results too, I mean, a bit of a risk involved there, given that, you know, Magnussen is a bit of a firebrand, and, and so is Perez, could be a bit of a risk that they both end up taking each other out more often, um, then, you know, scoring results, but I think, you know, Checo's mature enough, and Kevin will mature surely enough to, to be able to get the results, so, yeah, you know, that's some food for thought for, for the silly season, whatever's left of it, um, we did get confirmation, and I didn't mention this earlier, that Valtteri Bottas will be staying at Mercedes for another year, so that's, that was made official ahead of last weekend's race, uh, Lewis Hamilton, the contract talks apparently haven't begun yet, something like that I don't know what's going on I mean there's still talk about you know the Concord agreement not being signed by Mercedes you know they're trying to bargain and negotiate a bit more um so a lot going on behind the scenes nothing much to report yet you know until I get some more concrete stuff to talk about but um yeah, going back to going back to the Spanish Grand Prix, that's Sergio Perez back in the car. <laughs> we went on a whole another tangent, a whole another journey, and suddenly we're back to, to where we started. So that's that. Um, as far as the Racing Point protest is concerned, Renault and Ferrari are going to press on with it. McLaren and Williams have dropped out. Uh, Racing Point themselves are going to appeal their penalty as well. Lauren Stroll, if you saw his interview with Sky Sports, it wasn't really an interview, it was a... Um, a statement that he made in video, very, very angry, very, very um, disappointed, uh, questioning the sportsmanship of his uh, rivals as well, um, said it was pretty poor of them to, to do something like that, so, whereas, you know, Renault and Ferrari, even though they won the protest to begin with, they're going to keep pressing on to see if they can um, throttle their opponents a bit more, so, <sighs> again, 
that's F1. And finally, Carlos Sainz, you know, home race for him. He always does really well here. So hopefully McLaren can recover after their tough race at Silverstone last weekend. So just have to wait and see. And um, another late night for me Sunday. <laughs> it's been going good. I guess, you know, just in general feeling a bit bit fatigued this week. So some, some sleep-ins will help. But um, we've got supercars as well coming up this weekend. You know, going to be in front of the TV. It, it helps... What helps, you know, is the fact that it rains most of the time on the weekend, or it's gonna. The forecast is for rain this weekend, so it doesn't make you as doesn't make you feel as guilty about not going outside. And given everyone is now stuck within five kilometers of their homes, it just makes your surroundings a lot more busier. So if I, you know, I'm only going to and from work at the moment or to the shops, but you see more people out closer together, given that we're all stuck in this five k radius. So it just, if I decide to go for a walk down the beach, which, you know, is just around the corner here, 90 second walk, um, every Tom, Dick and Harry's at the beach. So it's like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of social distancing, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, let's crack into supercars, a um, bit of a preview for that. Um, false start last week um, before we had confirmation that they postponed the triple crown at Darwin for another week. So, I mean, I guess not much to talk about really apart from formats and stuff uh three thirty up three thirty eight lap races the top 15 shootout on saturday where as i mentioned last week they've made the hard tire compulsory for saturday qualifying now so we don't get teams um you know conserving tires for for another occasion but the allocation stays the same so two soft tires or two sorry sets of soft tires and three sets of hards um and given the uncertainty around the schedule now um winning the round you know and getting the most points per round is going to be more crucial especially for the championship and when you look at scott mclaughlin's lead at the moment of 107 points it puts him in a strong position he was dominant here last year he actually won the triple crown um in its previous guise which was probably more difficult to win than it is now so to be crowned or to get the triple crown this year you've basically just got to win the round so get the most points for the round and you know that's not very difficult for Scott either considering he's done it the last two weekends in Sydney even though he didn't win all the races he just had the results under his belt to be able to have the points so Again, you ask the question, what will the teams and drivers prioritise as far as their strategies are concerned and how their tyre usage is concerned? So basically the two directions you can go in is you focus on the biggest picture, getting the most points for the round, be the most consistent in each race. So people like Chaz Mostert last time, even though he didn't get you know the best like he didn't finish on the podium, I think, and didn't, you know, go for the the the, the hero results. He was consistent all weekend with where he finished and ended up not losing too much in the championship to Scott McLaughlin, so he still sits third. Whereas, you know, let's say Nick Perkout, the guys on Sunday, Todd Hazelwood, Andre Heimgartner, um, they all basically, and Jack LeBrock as well, sorry, um, who won the race on Sunday. I thought Todd Hazelwood <laughs> did last time out in Sydney. But yeah, the second race on Sunday last time out, it was Jack LeBrock who won. They all put their eggs into the one basket to get the single highlight. And especially with those big teams, the four-car teams, they kind of, you know, let, give allocate one race to each driver and say, okay, you're, we'll, 
use your good tyres in this race, we'll use your good tyres in that race, so that way, you know, as a team, they accumulate, you know, good result in each race, whereas, you know, for the individual driver, they'll get a highlight result um, in one race, and then the next race, they won't do as well. So we'll see if that trend continues, I think it will, it's been very exciting despite the um, the negative feedback we've had from some people, um, because the cream will always rise to the top as we see with Scott McLaughlin, I think likes a triple eight might do better as well this weekend, so Jamie Wincup still second in the championship, Shane Van Gisbergen in the top five there, but you know, needs to, to catch up still to Scott McLaughlin and now that we've got four consecutive weekends coming up for supercars, I guess the momentum, they've just got to keep rolling with it, you know, build it starting this weekend, then we've got Darwin again next weekend, and then back-to-back weekends in Townsville, so it'll be important to keep that momentum up. Um, talk, obviously, about um, Queensland Raceway potentially coming in to, to fill a little gap between the next after Townsville and then when the Bathurst 1000 is in October but even that you know it's all very up in the air at the moment so it's basically each week I'm gonna have to (laughs) to update you guys um, update myself and then update you guys with what's going on um, with that so at least you know we've got the racing this weekend to distract ourselves from everything else that's going on at the moment and again you know shout out to all the teams and crews involved who are away from their families especially the Victorian-based teams and drivers who have been on the road now for for more than a month, I think, um, since Sydney, the last Sydney Super Sprint. So they're doing a great job to to be able to keep the show going. And, um, you know, we've got to be, as fans and, you know, people who uh, analyse and are critical of the sport, you know, we've got to be really grateful for them to to make this sacrifice and um, not do what they're doing in other codes at the moment where we're seeing some players and stuff do some really selfish things and it's not very encouraged at all. So not a good, not a good thing at all. So yeah, good on them and can't wait. And finally, just to wrap things up, a bit of hit the globe, look at what's going on elsewhere rather than, you know, elaborating in, in detail, um, all the other motorsport bits and pieces that I keep up to date with just quickly fill you in on what's going on MotoGP over the weekend we had a cracker race new winner you know rookie in Brad Binder only two races into his MotoGP career ends up winning and also the first win for KTM as a manufacturer in MotoGP as well so you know hats off you know salutations for, for Binder you know he's going to be star of the future and you know it just shows you the the gains that KTM have made this year to do so well and then seeing Franco Morbidelli on the podium as well top Yamaha his first podium good on him you know it was cruel what happened last time at Hareth you know it could have been a Patronus um, Yamaha 1-2 finish with uh, Fabio Quattararo but not quite so you know good to see Franco get on there and then Johan Zarco surviving a penalty um, during the race as well for for a dodgy overtake and um, he started on pole position too so you know good to see him on a year old Ducati as well so the the Factory Ducati bikes um, that are running the GP20 struggled all weekend. So for Zarco on the old spec Ducati on using the new tyres, Michelin tyres, on the podium. So good result for him. Formula E, you know, we've had the, uh, what was it, you know, six races in how many days. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. And I still, you know, we still got one more race to go. So depending on when you listen to this, um, the time I'm recording, there's still one more race to run. Um Antonio Felix da Costa, congratulations, champion for season six after 
the four races, first four races in Berlin, he had back-to-back wins, and, you know, if you look at where the season left before the COVID break, it was three wins in a row for De Costa, which pretty much sealed it. Uh, wins also to Max Gunther, again, second win for the season. John eric Verne ended up winning a race too, which was the race that um, that uh, De Costa sealed the championship. So good to see those guys embracing after the race as well when Teams Championship going to Cheetah again. And then last night's race, um, we had Oliver Rowland win his first race, I believe, in Formula E. Um, and win for, for the Nissan team and good to see Rene Rast as well on the podium there which I think made um, Chris Soulsby who we've had on the show from the Region E Racing podcast he, he predicted um, on their show uh, when they made the announcement that Rene Rast would um, be filling in for Audi for the rest of the season that um, he would get a podium so I'm really excited because when they did the poll I was one of the people who said yes I reckon um, Chris is Chris is right on this one he's not um, crazy and it's ended up happening so good result there for Audi and for, for Rene Rast as well and then finally we've got World Endurance Championship coming back this weekend Spa 6 hour which is good to see um, them back on the track even though it's still the Toyotas <laughs> as the only real um, shot in the LMP1 but you know all that balance of performance stuff does kind of bore you a little bit and I've only really been excited about what's going on in LMP2 and the GTE categories over the last few years but um, bigger news that came out of Weckland was that the 24-hour Le Mans confirmed to be held behind closed doors this year so a lot of fans will be disappointed with that but given you know that the pandemic is still pretty much wreaking havoc here and there here there everywhere in the world um it's for the safety of the event you know so that it continues on that um Le Mans is held behind closed doors so very sad but again you know probably the right decision um all things considered and you know Indy 500 as well will be behind closed doors this was confirmed a while ago but um we're getting close to to that as well I think um next weekend or the weekend after that'll be the Indy 500 so can't wait to see that as well but other than that that wraps it up for this week can't wait to come back and uh review all the weekend's happenings for you next week and um talk about how I'm excited to take a weekend off next um next weekend for from F1 at least but um it's really good that we've got all this racing on keeps us all busy keeps us all happy even though some people will still have a whinge about things i think you know all things considered we should be really grateful we've got um we've got this all back now so yeah and um hopefully some more psas from max verstappen on the team radio that'd be exciting (laughs) anyway guys thanks for tuning in um make sure you follow us on twitter if you haven't already uh, at hit the apex media and i will hopefully put a link show notes to the article i wrote about racing point as well other than that have a good weekend stay safe and take care